You're listening to a podcast from Oasis Church Bath. To find out more about us, visit our website at www.oasisbath.org. So let's start by hearing some words from the Bible. Uh, We start with a reading from John 15. Jesus says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. We also have a second reading. From Paul's letter to the Corinthians, his first letter to the Corinthians, um, chapter 3. For we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid which is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay or straw, their work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved even though only as one escaping through the flames. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person. For God's temple is sacred and you together are that temple. So we are thinking today about some of those metaphors that help us to understand what the church is. In John 15 there, Jesus uses that metaphor of the vine and the branches to describe his relationship to his disciples. And in 1 Corinthians, Paul is using that metaphor of building. And we're going to run with those and some of the other metaphors that the Bible offers us. We're going to start with an activity and a question. Which of these is the church? Where do I have to point this? And I'm sure you have realised that this is to some extent a trick question, but I do want you to consider in yourself which one of these feels or looks most like the church to you. 
once you've made your mind up on that, how about this? Which one of these is the church? At first glance, when I was putting these pictures together, I think you'd be forgiven for thinking these were pictures of church services. In fact, none of them are. Uh, you've got a music gig, a classroom, a stand-up comedy gig, uh, and some people meeting over coffee. Which one of those, to you, is most the church? Um, I'm emphasising the church. You can hear the capital C in my voice, I'm hoping. Not just what is this Oasis community, but when you think of the concept of church, which one of these resonates most? What about this one? Getting a bit more abstract here. The grand old oak, the dandelion between the paving stones, the ancient ivy on the building, or an apple tree bearing fruit. Which one of these, to you, feels most like the church. What you decide will be based on your own experience, possibly your own theology, which churches you've been a part of and how you felt there. And perhaps you can look at some of the others that don't resonate with you as much and think what others may be thinking about them. What about this? What kind of meal is the church? Some of you may not be aware of what uh, number four there is. Huel is a, as far as I can tell, powdered complete meal replacement. Um, there are some people who really benefit from Huel, and there are some people, uh, from my own experience, who drink Huel because they don't know how to cook. Um, <laughs> so which one of these to you feels most like the church? Is it a wholesome breakfast, a packed lunch? a fancy dinner, or a meal replacement shake. And what about this? Now, one of these, if you're particularly on the ball, you might recognise as a biblical metaphor for the church. But if Jesus can describe the church as one condiment, why not others? Chilli flakes, salt, pepper, mustard. Um, which one of these is most like the church? Might be influenced by which ones you like, uh, or what your favourite dishes are that use them. I'd encourage you really to pick one and think for you what that resonates with for you. And finally, what about this? Gone a bit more abstract. Which one of these feels most like the church? A set of sofa cushions? What does that convey? I picked these slightly at random, so it's entirely up to you. Art is subjective. Uh, a messy desk. I often have one of these, so my experience of church service planning is certainly a lot like that. The um, bucket and mop or the microwave. Which one of these feels most like the church to you? Looking through all of these images, you've maybe started to think a bit about your own experience of church, what it means to you, what it's felt like to you in your experience. And if you've ever done a BuzzFeed quiz, you might be thinking, oh, is Amanda going to analyse my personality type off this? I've done a lot of online quizzes in my procrastination time that involve picking pictures like this, and at the end, it'll give you a result, what kind of cheese you would be based on what kind of holiday you like, uh, for example. And so you can think maybe, if these were the pictures you picked, what might church be for you? What bits of church really resonate most with you? This, to me, gives a sense of solemnity and grandeur, maybe a more traditional form of church. Whereas this is something a little bit more everyday, a little bit more casual. 
I really love actually that picture of the dandelions coming up through the paving stones as a sense of church that emerges from unlikely places and flowers in defiance of the council's need for clean roads. <clears throat> what about this? I thought this might be something more like a, a prophetic or pioneering context, something that's trying to bear fruit, is trying to spice up people's lives, is something that's on the go and always moving. And maybe it's all of those for you, or maybe it's none of them. What we think a church is, is really defined by our experience and our theology, and none of us ever quite feel like we have the full picture. Through this exercise, if I've got a holding slide, no I don't. Um, through this exercise, I think we've got into a bit of what these writers are doing using metaphors for the church. Uh, metaphors, you may be surprised to hear, are actually really cutting edge in academia at the moment. You all learnt about them in primary school, but there's a whole lot of hot new theological theory based on what metaphors are. Um, I discovered this when I was studying. The language of the source domain and the target domain is how you analyse what a metaphor is drawing from and what it's relating to. So if I said, church is a pot of chilli flakes, your source domain is your chilli flakes and your target domain is the church. And there's all sorts of academic vocabulary for describing the relation between the two of them. And that may seem like an unlikely pursuit for academics. Maybe you think we're scraping the bottom of the barrel. But actually, this is really profound in the study of theology because all theology is fundamentally metaphorical. We are trying in theology to describe something that is beyond our everyday experience. And we can use analogies from our everyday experience to reach into that. But part of metaphor theory is understanding that it is not a one-to-one -one description. Church is not a pot of chili flakes. It may have many similarities with that, and um, you can draw certain resonances out, but this is not a sort of scientific blueprint. It's more art, it's more jazz, it's more um, creative than that. If you think, um, oh, it's not all metaphorical, surely, think how we refer to God as Father. This has been something greatly in discussion recently as we try to really translate that metaphor of God as father into our modern context. When people say God is mother, that is an act of interrogating the original metaphor. Is a father still representing the same concepts that it would have been in the ancient world? Well, no, because our culture is different. And so we can play with those metaphors and change them and work with them creatively to understand how we are reaching beyond everyday experience into that theological realm. So how do metaphors in the Bible help us to understand what church is? I um, was familiar from one of my academic essays with a book by a guy called Paul Minier uh, called Images of the Church in the New Testament, a perfect preparation for uh, talking about metaphors. He identifies 36 of them in the New Testament, some of them more major. Uh, he focuses on the metaphor of the body, for example, that we spoke about a couple weeks ago at Participation Sunday, if you remember my wobbly arm illustration. There we go. Um, and the building and the vine, as we've just heard. There's also lots of other minor metaphors 
that he picks up from here or there. Uh, the metaphor of unleavened bread was the one I was writing my essay about in um, 1 Corinthians 5. But then there's metaphors like salt. Uh, the church are like exiles or pilgrims. The church is the bride of Christ, as in the book of Revelation. The church is a fishing boat or a fishing net, for example, during from some of the calling of the disciples. And all of these metaphors are part of the process of understanding what church is. As I said, it's that reaching beyond what is obvious. A load of people get together in a room. Cool, we can just say that, surely. But no, we're saying there's something more going on. And in fact, many of the metaphors we get in the New Testament are part of the early church really working out their identity from scratch. There hasn't been a church of Christ before, and they're trying to work out what's different and how they understand themselves. Early Christians gathered in homes and often outdoors to pray, to share from the scriptures, um, the Jewish scriptures and what Christian texts they could get their hands on at that point. They'd share communion and they'd organise care for those in need. They were inspired by the Jewish tradition of synagogue worship, which many of them had been developed within, but they decided not to call their gatherings a synagogue, which in Greek means a gathering together but instead an ecclesia, we still use that for ecclesial or ecclesiastical, which um, in Greek kind of means a called outness or a called togetherness maybe. But where they would have originally drawn that term from is that the ecclesia was the administrative or political gathering of the cities that they would be part of. The wealthy folks would get together to discuss policy. It's sort of like a council meeting, a sort of open council meeting, I think you could say. So if they're using a borrowed term, are they just saying we are like a council meeting? Well, I don't think they were, and that's part of what these creative metaphors are helping them to explore about what is distinctive. There is loads of things that every metaphor is trying to do in context, but I think there is one particular theme that emerges again and again with the lists of metaphors I've looked at. And that is the centrality of Christ. Oasis Church Bath is a Christ-centred community. That is part of our DNA. It's in fact part of the DNA of the whole Oasis movement, including those bits that aren't as obviously Jesus-centric as our Sunday morning services. There are loads of metaphors that look into this. In 1 Corinthians, we've got that foundation is Jesus and the church is built up upon it and Paul is saying you cannot have another foundation than Christ I'm doing my best to build you up but that is the real root of everything without the foundation nothing else stands in John 15 Jesus is the vine and the church the members of the church are the branches we are attached the same sap flows from one to the next we are intrinsically bound to Christ and without that central trunk there is no vine and no fruit in the book of Revelation the church is the bride of Christ sometimes slightly off-putting metaphor when you think about it too deeply but what it really says is that the church is wedded to Christ that we are inseparable from him uh, and that in the future that will be realized more fully than it is now as I said we talked on participation Sunday about the body of Christ about 
uh, the church being Christ's body and the one spirit that binds us all together. And in 2 Corinthians, there is this interesting metaphor of the church as a letter from Christ, uh, sort of written by Jesus, and that there is that kind of essence of his authorship in everything that we do and everything that we say. And uh, the Gospel of John develops this metaphor of the church as sheep, as a flock of sheep, and Jesus as the shepherd. Um, Jesus introduces it in John 10, when he describes himself as the good shepherd, And then it's recalled in the latter parts of the gospel when he uh, forgives Peter for denying him and tells him, feed my sheep, feed my lambs. And this is just a central core in so many of these metaphors. It was part of my reflection on what I'd said on Participation Sunday, that I felt like I didn't give enough time to the of Christ bit of being the body of Christ. If there is no Christ, then we're just a body of someone Um, If you've heard it said, being a Christian without Christ is just Ian. We'd be the body of Ian. No offence to any Ians watching, um, but that's not quite the same thing. Um, We don't quite have the same gospel. So there's something essential in church that is Christ-centred. Jesus himself said, where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I among them. And so Jesus is among us when we gather. And that's what makes Christian communities fundamentally distinctive. I had those pictures up, the stand-up gig, the music concert, the coffee conversation, that all looked a bit churchy, but which aren't the same because there is something intrinsically Christ-centred about a church gathering, even if it might look to someone coming in for the first time like they're the same thing. Have a think about everything that Oasis Church Bath does throughout the week. Think of a random person who knows nothing about us, walking in, coming to visit us. Maybe they think we're a book club. Maybe they think we're a sort of lectureship series. Maybe they think we're a supermarket if they come during pantry day. Maybe they think we're a lunch club if we're doing a bring and share. And so they'll have this idea of what we are, but there is something that they cannot so easily see, which is the spirit of Christ which runs through everything that we do. It's essential. I want to share um, a really memorable visual of this intrinsic relationship, um, which is something that I came through writing one of my essays. I think it's actually not the next one. It is this one. <laughs> For those of you who can't see, this is an image of Jesus uh, on the cross, or having recently been crucified, with a figure emerging from his side wound. If you remember in the Gospel of John, which is what I was writing my essay about, Jesus is pierced in the side and blood and water flow from the injury. And there's all sorts of art in the medieval period that shows this as a sort of birthing process. And that figure emerging from Jesus' side is uh, labelled around the images as ecclesia, as the church. And so Jesus in this moment is seen to give birth to the church, really showing that um, intrinsic relationship between one and the other. There's a sort of genetic similarity, an essential similarity, a shared uh, flesh and being that you really get from these slightly gruesome images. Um, In fact, our word church uh, ultimately derives from the Greek kuriakon, which means the house of the Lord. It might not be very obvious how the etymology relates there. Church, Kuriakon, don't seem to have a lot in common. But if you think of the German for church, which is Kirche, or the Scots Kirk, 
you can kind of see how that um, word has transferred. And so we have to know who Jesus is in order to understand ourselves as the house of the Lord. And this is who Christ is, a Jewish carpenter born 20 centuries ago to a girl called Mary, who left his hometown and started to tell people that the kingdom of God was near and they needed to change their lives. He gathered friends and followers, he travelled, he told stories, he mentored them and um, told them about God's kingdom. Jesus made friends with sex workers and bailiffs and he always interrupted what he was doing when someone was in need. He sat at dinner tables with religious leaders and told them they were wrong. Jesus was then betrayed by one of his friends, handed over to corrupt officials in return for money and publicly executed. But after his body was wrapped up and sealed in a tomb, Jesus came to life again, visited his friends, told them he forgave them and that his mission was now theirs. When we say that we are a Christ-centred community, this is the Christ that we're talking about. When we say we are the body of Christ or a building centred on the cornerstone of Christ, the foundations of Christ, that we are Christ's bride or a letter from Christ or that Christ is the trunk of the vine of which we are the branches, it is that same Christ. We cannot know who we are without knowing who Jesus Christ is. If we're a Christ-centred community, then this community without Christ has lost its core. And it says something theological about church, that metaphors are required to understand it. Because we are more than what is simply visible. We are brought together by Christ and by the Holy Spirit who unites us. Metaphors are about reaching beyond the obvious into the theological to understand more than what is clear. And early Christians really had to sort this out because they were an ecclesia, a gathering, an assembly, but they were so different from those government uh, councils that met in the cities because they allowed everybody in, regardless of status, Jew or Gentile, slave or free. And they found it particularly important that they prioritised those who were most in need. They distributed their wealth. They took time to care for one another. In summary, they chose to be like Christ. So which one of these metaphors would you pick? These are all biblical metaphors now, not just random pictures I've picked out. The body, the cornerstone, the bride, the bread, the vine, and the salt and pepper. This is obviously a trick question. You're not supposed to pick. Metaphors say one thing about their target domain, but there are still discrepancies. That's what metaphor theory is all about. And that's why there are multiple metaphors in biblical writings to describe different facets of our experience of the church. We've talked about how many of these metaphors describe the centrality of Christ in our experience, But some of these metaphors also emphasise our duty to one another. The concept of the unleavened bread and the yeast is about how our actions affect others in the community and spread like yeast rises in dough. And the body of Christ metaphor does much of the same. We have to play our part in the community that we're part of. There are also a load of metaphors in the New Testament about our relationship to the world. That's the idea of the salt that we 
season and bring depth to the world that we're part of. The idea of being a letter of Christ, letter from Christ is that other people will read us and understand more about Jesus from that. And my favourite text, Hebrews, talks a lot about the church, the followers of Jesus as exiles and pilgrims, as people who are not at home in this world that we live in. Paul Minier, in his book, emphasises that metaphors are secondary. No one comes to a metaphor before going to a church. There is a primary experience in the community, which he describes as a mystery. The character of this mystery, he says, was such that although the analogies inspired by it could point effectively to it, they could never bound or limit it. These pluriform modes have an efficacy when used together that is destroyed by the reliance upon one mode alone. We are people of that mystery who have our own experience of being church in this place and in others, and the metaphors help us to understand that rather than bounding exactly what it is we ought to think that we are doing. And so I encourage you today to reflect on your own experience, which of those metaphors has particularly resonated with you, and which ones seem to challenge you more and might feel like something you need to think over. And particularly profoundly to consider those metaphors that convey that invisible Christ-centeredness of what we do. Especially in this church, it may feel like we have lots of different things going on all at the same time, but as that beautiful egg showed us, we were all one community doing one thing with Christ at the centre. So to close, I've picked some fairly random pictures. I'm going to be honest. Um, can you tell I was in the office when I was looking for inspiration? And I want to ask you a question, and I'm going to ask you to turn to the people next to you, so mentally prepare yourselves for that. Um, to just ask yourselves, what metaphors speak to your experience of church? There isn't a right answer. I haven't picked these images for a particular reason, although I've looked at them myself and thought there are some things you can say. Which one of these looks most like a metaphor that you might use? to describe the church to somebody? And which of them would you absolutely never use to describe the church to somebody? I'm gonna give you two minutes to speak to the people next to you. If you're on the YouTube, I encourage you to drop it in the comments and go. Okay, that's time. Feel free to continue those discussions over tea and coffee afterwards, um, and I'd love to hear what some of you think. Uh, and so to bring all of this together, I'm going to ask you to do something very traditional. All of these metaphors say loads of different things about what church is, but there is one thing we can be absolutely sure of, and that is that we are one community together. In lots of more traditional services, you might do this every single time you meet, and that is sharing the peace might seem like a strange phrase, but it's about saying that we are all one in Christ. We all share that peace of Christ, that spirit of Christ in us. And it's to take a moment to really share that, to look in the eyes of the people around you. So in a moment, I'm going to give you that invitation to shake hands with those around you, move around the room if you'd like. Um, if you don't feel like shaking people's hands, I invite you to just put your hand over your heart. You can nod. If you know the sign language for peace, you're welcome to do that as well. 
but that just as a sign that you don't want to shake hands, but you still give that peace to the person that you're speaking to. And if you're on the stream, I really encourage you, put peace in the comments um, so that there can be a community online as well as here in the building. So peace be with you all. <laughs>